0: Hey everybody, it's Justin. I'm so glad that you tu- tuned into this episode because we're going to talk all about feeling valued at work. It seems as though we've been going through kind of a tough period when it comes to staffing businesses and how we know a lot of it stems from you know massive and unprecedented layoffs three years ago and we're kind of recovering from all of that. But I think there's been a huge reevaluation of how we handle work, how we get treated at work, how we treat others at work, and what we feel like we should do for work that might serve us better than it did before. So today I want to talk about being valued at work and not only how it boosts your mood, your productivity, the drive that you have to go to work, and how it can alleviate some of the anxiety you feel About work, but I also want to share with you the things that you can do to continue to drive in the lane of purpose at work when things don't always feel so great. And I also want to talk to those of you who are managers or supervisors, leaders, owners of businesses, onboarding people, people who are in any kind of leadership who have leadership in organizations and how you orchestrate your behavior with regards to valuing employees. So we got a lot to unpack in this episode. Welcome. Let's get started. Welcome to the Strength Yoga and Freedom Podcast, everybody. My name is Justin. I am so glad that you're here. This is the podcast where we use the philosophy of yoga in a practical and everyday way, one step at a time, to become happier people, our version of happy, and become people who are driven by purpose. In yoga, we call that dharma, our purpose purpose. So excited that you're here. Please make sure you take a look at all of the links in the description of whether the video, whether you're watching this on YouTube or in the show notes if you're listening to this either on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts because we have... Great links in there where you can follow me on Instagram. You can sign up for our weekly newsletter which is free. It comes to you every Saturday morning and it's not very long but it gives you some extra content that I don't deliver through uh, this podcast and you can also enjoy some of Kenzie's sweet treats. She's one of our supporters, listeners, members of this community who offers a great discount to all of you who are listening on some sweet treats. And boy, are they sweet and boy, are they delicious. So I want to break this episode up into three parts. All right. We're going to first talk about the actual meaning of the word valued and what it means to feel valued at your place of work. Then we're going to be linking that, this is still the first part, that we're going to be linking that to Santosha or contentment in yoga. That's where this whole episode is based off of, that premise of Santosha contentment. And we will be asking ourselves the question in the first part of, do I or will I ever feel content at work? Okay, it's a powerful question. This, though, sets the stage for the second and third parts of our discussion, which are going to talk about, number two, the things that you can do when you do feel valued when you're at work and the things you can do when you do not feel valued at work. Finally, I want to talk to uh, the leadership, folks out there who have leadership positions and some mistakes that could be made, as well as some things that leaders do right, though, when it comes to valuing their employees. And I want... You, even if you're not a leader, though, to listen to all three because in the third part, I'm going to talk about the three main types of employees that there are out there generally. And you may fit into one of those categories, or if you're leading people, you may be dealing with all three. And my guess is you are dealing with all three. In my 18 plus years of management and teaching experience, I have always run into all three types of people in the places that I've ever had leadership role in. So let's get down to business and start with that first word, valued, all right? We, As human beings, we have an ingrained nature to want to feel valued. That is never gonna go away. Valued means like you feel like you are making positive or lasting contributions Something. You're making an impact on something and someone. And in, in work, when you're at your job, you're feeling valued because you feel like you are contributing to the success of that business. Now, it doesn't matter what you do for work at all. It doesn't matter. Even if you work for yourself and you have no employees. You still want to feel like you are valued because we know sometimes the way we talk to ourselves, we don't always feel valued like that. So you want to feel valued and you want to feel like you're making a contribution even to something that you're working on yourself. So we know that as humans, that makes us happy. We know this. It's documented. We all know it. You know it and I know it. When you feel valued, you feel happy. You do. Every single time you do something that adds to the efficiency, the productivity, a procedure, a process, teamwork, moving towards a goal, whatever it is, and it is recognized and it is honored at your place of employment, you feel like you are valued. It's a really, really good feeling to feel that way. And we want to feel that way. And really, we should feel that way, valued. Now, experts tell us, and you probably don't even need to be an expert to know this, that when your work is not appreciated, when it's not noticed, when it's not looked at, when it's not recognized, you feel like you don't belong anymore, right? And that's the same when it comes to relationships with other people, relationships with places, and relationships with the things that you have and do in your life. When you feel like that's not noticed, you just don't feel like you belong. You know, you've probably felt like this, and I know I have, in many jobs, and it does not feel good, right? It feels icky. Santosha, we're going to go back to Santosha, which I mentioned before, teaches us about contentment. It is part of the Niyamas. It's one of the Niyamas in yoga, which is part of the ethical practice. It's the practice of yoga off of your mat, which leads you down a more positive relationship with others. That's what Santosha teaches you. There is no greater feeling than to come home from work feeling proud of everything that you've accomplished that day, feeling content, right? You just kind of have that ah, that feeling, right? Wow, that wasn't bad. That was pretty good. I feel good about that. Sometimes those days are way more outnumbered by other days, and we're going to talk about that. But And a lot of things get in the way of that when you're at work, the feeling of contentment, doesn't it? So uh, I like to think of Santosha, I mean, the the definition for Santosha is contentment, but I like to think of it as practicing being content with what you have, what you are, and then pushing that thought of I will be happy when dot, 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 away. Now, as a human, it's really hard to do that, right? And here's why. Because we're always looking for things that make us happy. Because as humans, we want to move towards things that make us feel good, okay? This is normal. This is not going to go away. So no matter how much you practice it, you are not going to be able to fully stop trying to go towards things that make you happy. Um, The ego, though, loves to tell us, that there's something more we can be striving for to garner what will be make us happy. And you know that this is true because you see it on social media all the time. And this is when your ego starts to talk to you. You see people talk about their happy places. I do not, I cannot stand the term happy place because when you say I'm going to my happy place To me, that is saying that you are only going to be happy in that place. That is the opposite of what Santosha is teaching us. So while, yes, there are places that you go that light your fire up, that fuel your soul, that make you feel alive, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the only place you can go to feel happy. So you wanna kinda rethink that when you're talking about happy places. But you see that on, on social media. You see it in advertisements, you see it everywhere. People sitting on beaches, this is my happy place people who go on planes going to my happy place. Everybody's excited about when they're on vacations and things like that. Or, you know, when I go on vacation, I'm going to be happy. And you see, you know, when I'm on this boat and I'm doing these things in the water, I'll be happy. And when I'm at this house or so-and-so's house or with so-and-so, then I'm going to be happy. On and on. And the mistake with this as I mentioned just a second ago, is that we put all of our happiness into things that you necessarily can't have with you 24 hours a day. Happiness is not something that you want to experience only seven days out of 365, is it? For your one vacation a year, if you're able to take one. Do you know what that is? That's literally 2% of your entire year. That's how much you want to be happy. You see, I don't want that. There are places that I can go that I will be happy at, but I also need to make sure that I'm finding happiness in all areas of my life. And that's up to me, not up to other people. There's also no magic number that's going to say if you reach 50% of happy days, then you're happy. Or if you reach 25%, then you're happy. There's no magic number. But what you do want to practice is being content with what is and work on the things day by day that make you happier in your daily life so that your overall feeling of happiness increases not decreases when you're at you're not at your happy place right santosha means you accept the things that are daily making you happy and then when you go on vacation or you go to those places that kind of fuel your soul or make you happy that amplifies the already happiness that you already feel or the contentment that you already feel because you get that reward from the work that you're doing every day on yourself, which is probably why you're listening to this podcast or watching this podcast, I hope, so that you're trying to work on things for yourself that make you a happier person. This happiness when you're on your vacation or when you're in this place that makes you happy and you're also doing the work you know, to get to, then the happiness kind of flows with you when you come back from those places too. And it stays in your life because it becomes part of a practice. Folks, improving your life every day though is boring. Many times it's boring because it's the morning routine. It's the habits that you do every single day, like exercising and journaling and getting your sleep and watching what you eat and watching your health and going to the doctor and on and on and on. But these boring tasks will keep you functioning on a higher level than most people who just flop through their days waiting for things to happen or waiting to go to their happy place. Now, I'm not suggesting that you should not get excitement or feel really happy and and elated when you're getting ready to go do something fun because you should feel that way. The goal here is to understand that you don't necessarily have to put the weight of your happiness into these places or people or things only. So you're still working and some days it feels boring. It feels boring to, to, to go through life with the same routines but it makes you stronger and it helps you drive your car and stay focused on your purpose. And that's this whole episode's all about is purpose with your job and with working so why are we talking about all this that's why because in order to understand the feeling of being valued you also need to think about the things that make you happy at your job right now what parts of your job actually make you the happiest now if none of your parts of your job make you feel happy we're going to talk about what to do when that happens so stick with me so We need to ask ourselves the question of will I ever feel content? Do I feel content? And you don't need to answer that right now. But let me give you an example from my own life. I've always enjoyed jobs for me that provide outwardly provide a service. And I'm saying outwardly for a reason. They they outwardly provide a service where I'm teaching something or I'm interacting with other people like this, where I'm providing a service to you. I'm teaching things, I'm coaching or giving advice, whatever you want to call this. And not everyone else enjoys things like this or talking to people all day or interacting with others all day. But the fact of the matter is most jobs require interaction with other people on a regular or semi-regular basis. Many, many jobs that I have had have always been of the nature of face-to-face or I'm dealing with other people all the time. So I've worked in food service, restaurants, corporate uh, environments or sales jobs. I've had uh, retail jobs. And of course, I've worked as a yoga teacher in yoga studios. And some of you may work in these same environments. But some of you may have your own business where you really don't interact with a lot of people or maybe you have a job where you're doing something like data entry where it's pretty, you know, kind of constant. You're just kind of looking at a screen and you're not really, you know, answering questions or anything. You're just kind of going through those motions of doing your data entry. And that's fantastic if that's what you like to do. But for every job, the thing is, even if you're doing data entry or one of these jobs where you don't talk to a lot of people, you are still providing a service to someone or something else. You're providing a service, so keep that in mind. Let's just get honest about that right now. When you frame your mind to think about providing a service to someone else in a positive way, you are actually making someone else's life more happy, your perception of your job may change. If you're an accountant, then you help people with their personal finances so maybe they don't struggle with their personal finances. If you're a postal worker, you're delivering important things to people who need those things to do whatever they need to do in their life. You're providing a service. If you work in a grocery store, maybe you're sh- you're stocking shelves or you're cashing people out at a cash register or you're re- taking returns or you're making food in a grocery store that you put on shelves that people buy. So people have cash transactions and credit card transactions, or they're able to pick up food off of a shelf and go home and eat a dinner. Those are the things you're doing. You're providing a service. Most of the time, our life runs on automatic, right? We automatically know we can go to the grocery store. We automatically know we can pick up things at certain places. We automatically know we can go get our oil changed when we need to, whatever the case may be. But the thing is, those who are providing a service for us that do that work for us as the consumers, they make our lives easier and more automatic, which is important because you then get to work on creative things and living the life of your dreams rather than worrying about changing your own oil, doing your own accounting, doing your own taxes, doing your own mail delivery, doing your own growing of the food, which some people do some of that stuff, which is great. But for the majority of people, we operate automatically. So in order, to not li- in order to live automatically and have those jobs coming in, we need people to provide that service. So that's important to think about. Feeling and valued at work feels like you're able to accomplish making other people's lives a little bit better and a little bit easier. That fr- French fry you served someone, if you work at a drive-through, fills up someone's belly and they enjoy the taste of it. That repair you do on a a, a a washing machine where you would wash your clothes allows another person to clean their clothes easily again. That billing question you answer if you are a person who works on the phones provides clarity to someone else. But we all know that jobs can be, they're not all as easy to find the value in right as what I'm describing bill collecting is hard working in tough weather conditions to repair power outages is hard crisis response teams difficult security law enforcement education health care and I'm, I'm not trying to group these as okay if you're not if you're working in food service it's easy because that's not really it but there are certain jobs that have conditions where you're out in the weather or you're doing other things that are physically demanding. These are dealing with some of these things or, or, or for me as an example, I, I don't want to be a healthcare worker. I can't handle blood and needles and all of those things. So I know that's not for me. That's, I'm not going to find a purpose in that. So there are some jobs that deal with some heavy shit like that. And then there are jobs when if you really do think about it and you are in food service while that is very hard going to a restaurant and dining out is a premium. It's not a necessity for people. A necessity is power or you know when the when the when the storm happens and the power goes out. And now you can't have ref, you know your refrigerator is dead and now you have to feed your child and the food isn't cold. That kind of stuff. So There is some context to all of that, but at the end of the day, we need to understand that all of these things provide value in one way or another, so look deep enough for that. So I feel like it's important to remember that whatever line of work that you're in, you do your best to remember and practice Santosha contentment because you're serving someone else, even though it can be mentally difficult, physically difficult, or even sometimes dangerous like... Our wonderful law enforcement who put their lives sometimes at stake to do, to protect and serve us. So, what happens? Let's move to the second part. Now that we kind of understand maybe what valued really means and how you're going to find some value in what you're doing. So think deep about that. But now what happens when you start to feel like you're not being valued at your job? What does that feel like? Well, that's the second part of today's episode. And I want to start with this. There is a big difference. So listen up here because it's important. There's a difference here in talking about value versus fairness. Now, there's if, you, if you're in a job and you think you're being treated unfairly, that's a completely different discussion. The word unfair would mean, this is where you need to take some kind of other action because unfair treatment is based on things like facets that are out of your control. For example, your race, your sex, your sexual orientation, your physical abilities or limitations, your eye color, your your height, you know, your weight, all of those things. So that's a different story when we're talking about fairness. If you're not being valued, you may not be feeling like you're seen or heard or that you're not contributing to the success uh, of an organization if you don't feel valued. Here's an example. I believe that the amount of time you spend at a job does not necessarily mean you suddenly become the best at your job. People get very complacent sometimes in jobs and they may get stagnant. And we're gonna talk more about this. And this is normal because someone, just because someone has worked at a job for 20 years uh, doesn't mean that they're just better than everybody else is at the job. That doesn't always mean that. Let's use yoga as an example. Just because someone has taught yoga for a decade or two decades doesn't mean that they're better, okay, than someone else who's maybe only taught two years. Everyone brings unique talents and unique creativity to their positions and having tenure in our culture seems to really be something that often gets admired, something that gets kind of revered. And so someone who has a longer tenure tenure in some places might automatically get rewarded with the best schedule, the best positions, even the best pay. And they actually might suck at their job or... They know how to manipulate or play the game. And we know that not everyone is like this. We know that there are people who have worked 20 plus years at a job who are constantly evolving, constantly changing, constantly working to improve themselves and on and on and on. And those people know the value and the purpose behind what they're doing. But when you become complacent and stagnant and you're just riding the waves just because you're getting to so many numbers, That is a recipe for, number one, not only feeling like you don't have value anymore, but when other people find that you are being treated kind of better, we could use the word better, or being treated in a certain way with better things, and you're over there complacent, then other people are going to get to feeling like they're not valued. And we're going to talk a little bit more more about that when we get to the third part of this. But, as I just said, if you feel valued at work, you're going to feel like your level of experience is going to make a big contribution because you feel like you have fresh ideas or maybe a new way of doing something, even no matter how long you've been there. And it gets embraced by others in your organization. When this happens, it feels really good, right? It really does. It feels like, wow, I'm bringing freshness here and others embrace it and are willing to try and maybe some people like it and some people don't, but hey, I am figuring out a new way to move the needle in the company or the organization I'm working in even further. If you do not feel valued, you may feel like your contributions are unnoticed or are shoved under the carpet because other people who may have tenure or may have seniority or whatever you wanna call that are just getting whatever they want because they've been there long enough and then you feel like you're not valued anymore. So I wanna make something really clear here. If you are practicing Santosha, and it is a practice, so we're going to have bumps naturally, and we should have bumps. So that's how we're going to learn. If you're practicing Santosha, you're not going to try and outweigh or outdo or outshine someone else because you've been there longer. So there's difference in reinventing yourself than trying to outshine somebody else just because you have seniority. So if you're practicing Santosha, you will stay in your lane and you will provide the support needed based on your length of time and not the control based on your length of time. A very toxic and poisonous thing to say is it's your job. You know, I've been here for so long, so I deserve this. Wrong. We deserve as humans to create the life that we want to live and become happier people who are making our lives the best we can make them by driving to our purpose. We deserve that as human beings. We do not deserve things that we do to manipulate or control other people that will outweigh the other people or allow you to gain more control. That's not what practicing Santosha is. And so if you feel uh, happy or valued in your line of work, then this is my advice. Keep doing what you're doing Keep working in your lane. Keep driving, though, towards your purpose and reinventing yourself. Because when someone, well, let's say it this way. If everyone works in their lane in your organization and you use turn signals because you're going to change lanes now, you're going to reinvent something and you're going to try to move into a different flow of traffic here. When you use those turn signals, then not only are you going to do a really good job pushing through doing your good work but you are signaling to other people, hey, let's work together because we're about to make lane changes. And even though we're lane changing, we're still moving towards a common goal together. If you try to get in another lane without using a turn signal, what happens? Well, you know, you're gonna cut people off, you're gonna interrupt the flow, and all of a sudden, what happens? Well, we get drama, we get anger, we get all of that crap. We don't want any of that. So what we want to do is if we do feel valued where we're working, we want to continue doing what we're doing and we want to keep doing that job with purpose and inventing ourselves over and over again without interrupting what everyone else is doing, flowing together. Now, if you do not feel valued in your line of work, then it's time to ask yourself the question, what parts of my job make me feel happy and valued? What parts of it do? If there are some parts that do make you happy, are you able to shift your focus when you're at work to those parts and work with purpose and drive through those uncomfortable parts with Santosha or just accepting what is? Here's an example. This job of podcasting to you, what I'm doing now and teaching this and verbally talking to you, this to me is the the part of this job that I love the most. I love this talking and teaching. Now, I do not always like the research, the typing out all of the stuff I have in front of me here, the notes to speak, the technology pieces, working with microphones, working with, you know, video equipment. That stuff irritates me and it is part of the job that I don't necessarily like. But you know what? I do it anyway because we are driving this part of the conversation literally as I'm talking to you and as I'm teaching we're driving this part, this makes it all worth it. You need to find that part of your job that makes it feel worth it, okay? So if you feel like you just don't like it, then first think about what are parts that you don't like about it, what are there parts that you do like about it, and why, why do you like them? Well, I like this because, again, it's a service. I'm giving, providing teaching, service, all of that good stuff. Now. If absolutely nothing in your job makes you feel happy, so you've gone through and you're like, none of this works. I hate all of this. It's all a bunch of hogwash and I don't like any of it. Well, then one of two things is probably happening. Number one, either you're not able to see the value in what you do that helps other people, at least in some aspects of your work, or you're in the wrong line of work. So you need to get your resume together and get a new fucking job. I mean, that's what we have to do. There is nothing that I cannot stand more than people who bitch and moan about their jobs. Now, it's very healthy to complain about your job and the challenges that you go through with your job. But when it becomes a a pattern and it's always happening where you're constantly bitching and bitching. Like, I know people who love to bitch about how the schedule at their job is done. They bitch about how, or how or why certain decisions are made that don't that impact them, but they really have no control over. I know people who uh, complain about why certain prices are a certain amount at places that they work, or why other people are. Put into positions and then they're not put into positions that they think that they should be in or why a certain procedure is is done by me and not by others and blah 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 and then what do they do they go and they perform their job with no integrity and no sense of purpose which we're going to talk about in a second with these three types of people that you'll find at, at your job and if you do not like your job and you want to complain on repeat about certain aspects of the job all that's going to happen is you're just going to be miserable and you're going to make everybody else miserable, and you're going to alienate people. You can tell yourself this too. You can say, "Well, the money is so good, so that just keeps me going." Well, in order to find some really find some freaking purpose in your job and to feel ba- valued, looking at money by itself is a mistake. Because while money does provide you with the things that are going to make your life seem better, and you obviously need to provide food for yourself and your family and your loved ones, and you know, all of those things. To stay where you are and be extremely unhappy just because you are making decent money and that's it, is going to bleed into all other areas of your life. So then you will stay in relationships longer than you maybe should Maybe because the sex is good, but everything else sucks, or you're going to keep drinking because temporarily it makes you feel better, or you're going to stay in your hometown because it's comfortable instead of moving to a different city to pursue a different opportunity, or you're going to scroll on social media and you're going to start wishing and hoping instead of taking action. Your life is never going to change unless you take action. It's never going to change because no one's going to come and be like, here, let's do this and let's take all this action. It's not going to happen. You need to take action for yourself. So if you feel like you're not valued in your job, you better A, start thinking about how your work is valuable to others in certain aspects or for yourself. Or B, go get another job and give up the excuses why you cannot go get another job. Now let's go to the final part, the third part here, and I don't want you to stop listening to this if you're not in a leadership position because this is important for all of us to hear. If you are in leadership or you're an owner or you're a manager, whatever your position is, it's time you start thinking about your workforce dynamically. Here's what I mean by that. So many people just look at their workforce and they go, I need to fill up my place with bodies. And when you do that all you're gonna do is fuck yourself over and be pissed off all the time if you want to be pissed off all the time go right ahead but if you really want to make some changes you need to look at your workforce very dynamically and here's what i mean as someone who is in leadership myself you absolutely need to understand the goal of your business if you're in leadership too you need to know and you have your own business you need to know what is the goal of your business. Like what is the purpose of what you're doing with your business. So if you own a clock shop, you know, then your goal or purpose might to be se- might be to sell these beautiful timepieces to your customers or your clients, right? But go even a little bit deeper. Why do you want to do this? Why do you want to sell, you know, these clocks to your um, to your clients? Why do you want to do that? Is it because you love the idea that your creations uh, or, or the clocks that you have found can enhance someone's house? Is it because you actually love clocks and they look really beautiful and so you want to share that? You want to provide that love and that, that, that care that you have for the way clocks look and you want to give it to somebody else and share it? You have to decide what that is and that's on you to decide, not on your employees, on you. And then you need your employees, though, to understand what your vision and your purpose is. If your employees do not understand what your vision or your purpose is for for your business, you're doomed. It's just the way it's going to be. And so the secret, my friends, is to really understand the vision and the purpose, even if you're not an an employer. If you're an employee and you don't understand what the, the goal of your business is, you need to understand it now. Because when you do, you're going to become a happier employee. You also can stay in your lane a little bit more and create that purpose for yourself because now you're not swerving into that incoming traffic trying to change the goal or the purpose of the organization and then take everybody down with you when you don't understand it or you don't care about it. So, so, so many times we, re- we, we release practicing Santosha, like, for example, with the clock's Commitment for what is like you're committed to selling the clock, so you don't, you're not you're not going to sell hamburgers out of your clock shop. That's not the goal. But we start thinking we 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 should release the Santosha and alter the purpose. That's what I mean by swerving into oncoming traffic. You will be successful as a leader and an employee if you just stay in the purpose or the goal. When you start to try to work some other convoluted crap out, that's when the purpose goes away. That's when the trouble starts. This means as a leader, we're gonna talk about your kind of your best employees. These are the ones who come to work every day on time and they smile and they're friendly and they stay in purpose. Let's talk about some employees that may not be well suited for your business. What about those employees who do come to work every day on time and they also smile and they're super friendly and they never call off and they really don't stir the pot or they don't cause any issues? These actually are not your best employees if that's all that they do, right? Coming to work on time every day for 25 years does not mean you are an employee who contributes to the business or the vision of the business or the purpose of the vision of, or the purpose of the of the business just because you're coming to work on time that's great that you're coming to work on time and you should honor the place that's employing you by going to work on time but that doesn't mean that you're the best employee your best employees are not only the ones who will come to work on time but they will also understand the needs of the business the purpose of the business the goal of the organization and they will execute it for you every day the only way to do that is to work in your purpose so if you're a server in a restaurant and you decide when it's busy that you're gonna go out and you're gonna trim the hedges out front then you're not a good employee because your job is not to trim the hedges it is to serve your tables if you're doing jobs at your job that are not your job you're not a good employee because whether you think you're helping or you're not helping you are not staying aligned with what your purpose is. That causes traffic jams. That causes a crash. You can help other people and work as a team by helping them do their jobs if there's need, of course. I'm talking about doing completely what's not your job at your job. So, If you are a leader, you need to look for the people that work in their purpose and they honor what they're doing because if they do that, they will not only be on time and follow the rules, but they will also help you move the needle in your business. These are the people who will be the centerpiece of your business success. Those people who are driving the purpose and are on time and are following rules and all that good stuff. If you fuck with those people as an employer, they're going to leave. Now, if you... Also, have people, this is the third type. So, we have the people who are on time and they're happy and they're friendly and they really don't cause a lot of problems, but they're, they kind of fucking suck at their job and then they try to do everybody else's job too. And then we have the people who are on time and they're doing their job to the best of their ability and they're moving the organization and, you know, all of those things are taking good care of people. But then we have the people who are, you know, good at their job too. But they're driving in that lane of purpose for the most part, but then they're never on time or they call off or they struggle to work together all the time with other people and then they break rules on repeat. But yet they're kind of good at their job. Well, they're not kind of good. They are good at their job. So they become like this autopilot person they can do their job, you know, in their sleep and they do it pretty darn well, but then all these other things get left out like being on time or you know, following all the rules that you set forth because these are the rules that are going to help move your business forward on and on and on. That employee has cracks that are showing. And what generally happens as an employer is you look the other way because uh when they're working and when they show up, they do a great job. So you know, I can tolerate them being late and then it irritates everybody else and then it, it, you know, it could put more workload on those good people or whatever. Eh, who cares? I don't want to deal with it. That's what happens a lot of times. And then those people who are driving in your purpose, who are doing a good job and they're there on time and they follow the rules, those people aren't going to feel valued and those people are going to leave and you're going to be fucked. And... I believe, though, that the people who do do a really good job and they kind of do it on autopilot and they but they are a little bit late and they, you know, do these kind of against procedures now and again. I actually believe those people are really worth retaining, but you need to work with them on, you know, getting their procedural shit in order, because once you get that in order, then they're going to perform their job. Or you need to talk to them about is there another aspect of their job that they could be doing? Because what's happening to those people are they're feeling complacent. They're feeling like they just go and they go through the motions and those cracks are showing in those other ways like the lateness and the, and the so on. So here are the things that go wrong when it comes to these types of people. Number one, you put all the value into the employees who are on time, who are nice, who are happy and make you giggle and who are fun, but they actually suck at their job. That's where things go wrong, number one. Number two, you put a lot of value into those employees who are on autopilot and who are running late or screwing up here and there and causing minor problems, which turn into bigger problems. And then number three, you ignore those who are working into their purpose, who show up on time, who show up to work and show up. Not just on time, but they show up and they provide value in your business. When you ignore those people and you forget about person number three that I just talked about, They're going to leave, as I just said, and you're going to be stuck in a position that you do not want to be in. You see, this entire episode is about figuring it out. What does the value really mean to you in your job? And after you figure out what the value really means for you and for the purpose of the organization, then you should really think, are you feeling valued here? And remember, we're not talking about fairness. We're talking about value. If you're being treated unfairly, then you need to seek help or get out of that job because jobs that discriminate against other people unfairly shouldn't be entertained. That's nonsense, right? So if you are a leader who has those three buckets of people in your organization, because you do, if you think about it, you have those three people, those three types. I also want you to think about what bucket that you might fall in. Even if you are a leader or if you're not a leader, what bucket do you fall in? If you fall in the I'm always on time, but eh, I don't really want to do anything here, but the bare minimum just to get by, then you don't value your job. You just don't because you are only going there out of habit and not out of purpose. If you fall into the, well, I'll sneak around you know, doing things, but outwardly I'm good and I'm on autopilot and I can get away with breaking rules because I've been here long enough and blah, blah, blah. So therefore I'm untouchable. You're also not valuing your job because what you're doing then is you're using your employer at that point. And so using other people or using your employer is not gonna be a good way to really find purpose. But if you drive in purpose day after day after day and you work through the hard days and you work through the good and you know where you're heading, then you are valuing your job. You are content in what you're doing and in most areas of your job and you are practicing Santosha. So I challenge you to really figure out where you are and not only figuring out where you are, but if you're a leader, figuring out who really is working for you. Because you might be surprised at all the things you uncover. And so until next week, think about these things. Maybe you start to make some little shifts in how you operate at your job in purpose. And maybe as a manager, you start valuing that person who not only shows up to work on time, who not only drives in the purpose of what your your job, your organization, your business needs of them, but also they do it with the best intent and the best effort. Because the people that are just gonna be complacent yet they show up on time and they're goofy and happy are are not great employees. And then the people who don't show up on time but they're still kinda good at what they do but they sneak around and outwardly, those aren't good employees either. So it's time to get serious about the people that work for you and it's time to get serious about what you need to do in your job. And you wanna know why? You deserve the best. And so go get it. Talk to you next week. Okay, one last thing. The content in the Strength, Yoga, and Freedom podcast is not intended as a replacement or a substitution for the advice of any medical professional, like a physician, a psychologist, or a qualified therapist or any other medical professional. It is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only.